So we're gathered on this warm evening at Madhavan for the occasion of the disappearance of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Thakur Bhaktivinoda Kijai, and as well with the disappearance, uh, with regard to the disappearance of Gnada Pandit, whose disappearance corresponds with the disappearance of Bhaktivinoda, celebrating it, honoring them both. If we're on the same day, So we'll say a few words about Bhakti Vinod Thakur and, and uh, a little bit with regard to Gadadhar Pandit as well. Gadadhar Pandit, of course, was the uh, worshipable deity of Bhakti Vinod Thakur. He established the deities of Gaur Gadadhar in his place of worship, place of bhajan, I want to say, and um, and again they left the world on the same day. And Pujapatridamarsh and other members of the Bhaktivinoda Paribar, um, which is the overarching name of our family. So we are honoring our great grandfather and great great grandfather today, the great Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And um, we're all various family members that have um, taken birth uh, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, life of Gaudiya Vaishnavism by his uh, grace. And as I say in that line, uh, some of the stalwarts and and deep uh, feelers for Gaudiya Vaishnavism have drawn some uh, connection between the disappearance of Gadadha Pandit and Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And in short, of course, as I say, he worshipped poor Gadadha, so Gadadha was the deity of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And, and, um, and further, to give you an example of what I'm talking about, Sridhar Murs would like to say that the, the Dom uh, inhabitants uh, the eternal associates of Mahaprabhu are, of course, always there, visible or invisible, or invisible, manifest or unmanifest in the Dham. And in their unmanifest um, status, when Gaurila, um disappears from manifest vision in their unmanifest status, the members of the uh, Mahaprabhu's entourage, so they, they, sh- they show their influence nonetheless. Hmm? different ways and so forth and, um, and it was his thinking and that based on the, the feeling of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur that in a very prominent way Gadadha Pandit made himself not manifest but not unmanifest but partially manifest in the very person of Bhaktivinoda Thakur hmm? so um, some connection there between the two and departing, as we know, as we say, as we learned today from the world on the same same day. Gadadha Pandit is, uh, of course, very, very close to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. He is the, the, the understated uh, member of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami's Panchatattva, 
there are different conceptions of the Panchatattva. And the uh, the prominent one, of course, is, is the one that is uh, um, glorified and brought out in Chaitanya Charitamrita, in as much as the Chaitanya Charitamrita is the kind of concluding, and I want to say conclusive dissertation um, as to the significance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Uh, all the literatures that follow that reflect back on Chaitanya Charitamrita and the other Goswami Grantas, Krishna's Kaviraj was a little bit removed, uh, half a generation or so perhaps from Rup Sanatan, but um, and not from Jiva Goswami and and his work is um, very significant. His Chaitanya Charitamrita brought together the whole Sampradaya, gave a shape actually to the Sampradaya and, and ratified certain conceptions about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, and considered others heterodox and so forth. So an orthodoxy of Gaudiya Vaishnavism was really formed through Chaitanya Charitamrita, and there a conception of the Panchatattva is found, in which, as I say, Gadadhar Pandit is a member, but an understated member, inasmuch as each of the members of the Panchatattva that are glorified in the opening stands of Chaitanya Charitamrita, Vande Gurun Ishabhaktan Ishan Isham Tarakam Tatprakasham Shakti Krishna Chaitanya Sangnakam. This is the first verse. The last verse of the Mongol Charan, of course, is Panchatatvatpakam Krishnam Bhakta Rupas Rupakam Bhakta Avataram Bhakta Kyamnamami Bhakta Shaktikam. They, they connect the two of them, are saying the same thing for the most part, other than the fact that the first verse also gives a pranam to the plurality of, of gurus and then mentions Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself and his, exp- his, exp- his expansion his avatar, his internal shakti, and his the, the marginal shakti fully under his influence. And of course, uh, the Panchatatvatmakam Krishnam verse speaks about the same five manifestations of divinity. And then in between these two end verses of a 14-verse Mangal Charan, auspicious invocation to the Chaitanya Charitam, is the, is the, is the is the glorification of the personalities that correspond with those ontological positions. Sri Krishna Chaitanya himself hmm? and his expansion, Nityananda, Ram, his, uh, his avatar, Advaita Charya. Hmm? Um, so these three are given a lot of consideration. Hmm? Um, Maybe five, six verses about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and five about uh, Nityananda Prabhu, two about Advaita. And then um, this is the uh, Vishnu Tattva, the Pancha Tattva, and then we come to the Shakti Tattva, Gadadhar and, and Srivas. And this is where it trails off. There's no real uh, uh, explanation in Chaitanya Charitamrita of the ontological position of Gadadhar, like there is of Advaita, of Nityananda, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And there are different reasons one could uh, uh, conjecture as to as to why, but um, that aside, 
he's an understated member. I guess you could say that Srivas Pandit is as well, but you would think that Gadadhar Pandit is the as the person that that uh, the deity that represents the Sarup Shakti, the internal Shakti, would be given a little more attention. I'll say this, that one of the reasons for that, and I think the prominent reason, is that Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami had a certain thing in mind, and that is that he wanted to present the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu of Rupa Goswami. Hmm? What Rupa Goswami understood Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to be about, his descent and the significance of it. So the descent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Krishna exploring himself and wanting to see himself from the perspective of Radha is what the book is about, and the fact that he is Krishna and he is Radha combined, Yuga Milan, this this uh, doctrine of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So when we say and make a big emphasis in our book that um, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha and Krishna combined, it's a little difficult then to say, and Gadadhar is Radha. It becomes a little confusing. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha and Krishna, and suddenly then you have another figure who's who's Gadadhar, who is Radha. So he's somewhat marginalized there. And indeed, later on, when he is spoken about, he's spoken about in, in terms of lesser, if you will, uh, manifestations of, of Radhika, Shakti Tattva, uh, like Rukmini Bhav, um, Lalita and so forth. He is depicted in uh, very much in in Jagannath Puri hmm, to be uh, expressing the the Bab of, of Rukmini. So he's not emphasizing in the same way that Karadapan it has been emphasized in other places hmm, to be uh, the Radha of uh, of Gorlila. Pujapachira Marsh talked about him in, in an interesting way by way of um, uh, acknowledging the fact that he has disappeared on the Amavas. The Amavas is the new moon. I think he appeared on the Amavas as well. Um, and so it, uh, he poetically thought of it as being making a statement that the moon is in a, in a vitiated, waning to the extreme condition, hmm? rather than full and nourishing and giving light and, uh, and soothing uh, influence of the night as it does when it's full and uh, and often, or in, in, in most cases, we, we, we notice that the avatars of the Lord are appearing in the full moon. Hmm? Um, Krishna is, of course, the exception. And if you put his appearance and Radha's together, you get a full moon. Uh, but um, but here is Garadhar appearing in the new moon, and the moon is in a diminished state, and Garadhar is in a diminished state. He is Radha with her bhava stolen by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and keeping very close to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Not not so much to get it back, but to protect him from the influence of that which is very, very powerful. And we find that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was, was very much overwhelmed as he experienced that uh, ideal that he came to experience, the, the, the perspective, the bliss of Radha. It, it was very disconcerting hmm? to hear, it is, to hear, to hear about his condition in, in, in Puri, although it was, I mean, externally or internally, of course, Vitore Anandamoy, it's full of Ananda. Hmm? 
So, the fullness of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Radha Bhav then makes Gadadhar uh, like an empty bag, so to speak. His bhava stolen by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he's keeping very close to him. Sachi Dev appointed Gadadhar to watch him very closely to take care of him. He, of course, was the uh, known for his recitation of the Bhagavatam. Daily in, in, in Navadvipi, he reads the Bhagavatam to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, gives discourse on that. He followed him to Jagannath Puri. Hmm? And um, so he, he couldn't live without him. And thinking that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would settle in Puri, as his mother asked him to, hmm? he took a vow to remain in Jagannath Puri. Hmm? This became problematic when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left Jagannath Puri. Hmm? Uh, actually, he broke his vow. Hmm? The Pandit. Um, out of love for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, out of the in, his inability to to um, cooperate with the protocol of the vow, in light of the fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was leaving on his way to Vrindavan, so forth. It's a beautiful uh, leela described by Krishna's Kaviraj and Chaitanya Charitamrita. But in Puri, he used to recite the Bhagavatam daily for Mahaprabhu, and and and, and it's uh, it's. Uh, Historically, a fact that the text that um, he uh, read from was ruined by the tears that he shed while reading and reciting from the Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. So, a deep, deep person in 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 Gorlila, mm-hmm. and a mysterious type of worship. Bhaktivinotakura was involved in bhajan of Gorgadadhar. It's complex uh, and um, it lends itself to misinterpretation. So it it, it, it gives some energy um, to the Gornagar Bhav sector. They think about it in a, in a particular way. Krishnadas didn't accept that. Vrindavan Das Thakur didn't accept that. And their books make that that clear, so they emphasize him in a different way. And Bhaktivinoda did not accept that. He spoke out against that. He labeled the Gornagar Bhav as one of the deviant um, ideas about um, the worship of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. Um, but they were his deities, Gorgadadhar, and uh, and he was deeply absorbed in in their um, reality. And in him, Taco Bhakti Vinod, as I say, some members of our, our Paribar have felt that the influence, the eternal influence of Gadadhar Pandit in the Dhammas made somewhat manifest in the person of Taco Bhakti Vinod. An extraordinary person in every respect. Um, he um, was born in a, in a good family and about... 1838. Um, I think that uh, predates Vivekananda's uh, departure from India and his um, touching down on the shores of the Americas to uh, represent Hinduism. That representation um, made itself well known in a famous uh, gathering of 
world religions in Chicago. Hmm? And here are the young Vivekananda, follower of Ram Krishna, who gave a, who Vedantaized the, uh, the the tantric um, Ram Krishna uh, in order to popularize the uh, the, the teachings. Um, he spoke in a way that startled many people, and by saying, "You are looking for God, but you do not know that that you are yourselves are God," something like that. And this is a time, of course, when Darwinian evolution was coming onto the scene, the world scene, and having an impact on religious thinking because it was bringing up facts that, or or ideas based on some empiric evidence, conjectures that were powerful at the time, and um, in some ways uh, didn't correspond with well, didn't correspond with the way in which people were. Christians were looking at their their revelation and, uh, and what the world's about and how it works and so forth. And um, but still, many educated people had a, a spiritual inkling. And so, Vivekananda, for one, and, and a representation of, of Buddhism that was uh, also there at that World Religions Council caught the attention of some educated people, and they they gathered around. Vivekananda and some Buddhists and funded the writing of, of texts and so forth and with an idea to to have an influx of Eastern religious thought into the Western world that would get around, as it was thought, the Darwinian hurdle. Hmm? And Vivekananda wrote about it. If you look back at his writings now about that, they seem rather um, uninformed. Um, but everyone was pretty uninformed about evolution, the idea of evolution and how it was supposed to work and so forth. At the time, he was thought to be very innovative and all. But, as I say, the appearance of Bhaktivinoda predated that, and, and, and from his very appearance in the world, he brought a spiritual influence, and that spiritual influence greatly outshines, of course, that of, uh, of Vivekananda, who uh, advocated an Advaitin idea, for the most part, um, and Bhaktivinoda Thakur um, ultimately advocated the uh, beautiful Achinti Beta Beta of Chaitanya Vaishnavism. He was born to do that. This is, this is my point, I guess, that Bhaktivinoda Thakur felt in this way. He was born in the world, appeared in the world to do that. And his work was extraordinary enough in our lineage to, to think that that could be the case. Mm-hmm. Although he talked about himself in his own letter uh, to his son, Leet Prashad, that constitutes a kind of a biography, autobiography. He presented himself as if he was a sadhaka and so forth. There is reason to believe that he took birth in the world for the for divine uh, purpose of giving Vaishnavism, Gaudi Vaishnavism, its due. It's, it's giving it the push that it needed to um, put in place, put in motion the fulfillment of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's prophecy said, my name will be heard in every town and village. So, this is what Bhaktivinoda Thakur really, in a very powerful way, set in motion. While there were some Hindu emissaries, as I say, uh, Vivekananda, for example, in the West, um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, maybe 10 or 11 years old, 
and uh, uh, when that when that happened, not too long after, as a young man with a Western education in India, did he come in touch with Chaitanya Charitamrita, and that revolutionized his life. Hmm? I like to think of him sometimes, and I refer to him in this way, as the first Western convert to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Because he had a Western upbringing, Western education, and um, he actually had some natural affinity for Christianity, which was so theistic, Hmm? a personalist, uh, kind of a personalism and theistic uh, religious ideology. And... um, he was giving credence to to, to 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 Western thought, and then he met with Chaitanya Charitamrita, and it's it set him in motion in terms of what he was appearing in the world really to do. And then he used that Western em- education, influence, and familiarity with and lack of fear of Western culture. Many Indian sadhus would never, you know, think of crossing the ocean. They think they would become contaminated. Vivekananda didn't have to worry about that. He was a meat eater and a chain smoker. Hmm? So he didn't have to worry about what they might feed me over there. That was so. He was some kind of representation of Hinduism, but Bhagavad Thakur had a different, uh, a different message, and he lived his message entirely. When he came in touch with Chaitanya Charitamrita, he was transformed and uh, to the surprise of many people who were re-envisioning Hinduism in light of Western influence. You have to understand and remember, I should say, that India was was occupied by the British at that time. So these Western ideas were very much out and about. And the British were trying to educate the Indians so that they would be weaned from their superstition, as it was thought, and become Christians and civilized people. Hmm? And so in the midst of this, obviously there were Hindus who were attached to their culture, but they were influenced by the Western thought uh, nonetheless. And so rather than being converted wholly to Western thought, they tried to make an interface with Western thought and Hinduism, and in some cases Hinduism lost more than, than, than gained more, and this was not the case with Thakur uh, Bhaktivinoda, because as much as he was uh, familiar with Western ideas and comfortable with thinking about them um, without them being damaging to his faith, investigating, finding value in them, and, um, and revisioning Chaitanya Vaishnavism, in light of modern um, considerations, trends of thought, findings, and so on and so forth, while he was very much involved in that, we, and we, we think of him in light of that, and we are here because of that, and that dynamism of Bhakti, you know, to be able to interface with the Western world and, and make our tradition so living and uh, exciting, the way he wrote about it in his Bhagwat speech, for example, it's, it's electrifying to hear him speak in a non-sectarian way about Balgodia Vaishnavism and, 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 and the Bhagwat and the idea of ongoing new light and um, um, uh, this kind of living realization of, of the text that makes one feel like 
there's always something to learn from it and from the world, and the two are not different. The text is talking about the world, and if you listen properly, you'll find that to be the things that you find in the world, you find that are true. Truth is truth. So if it's true in the world, it's it must be in the Bhagavatam too. And he was, you know, finding the way, and so it was this very exciting, uh, electrifying, really. And we, we think of him often um, in, in light of that, and for good reason, but he had the other side as well that was not lost in his outreach. That means deeply involved in core material and core um, practices of Gaudiya Vaishnava. So it was very deep hmm, spiritually and very broad in his outreach, extremely broad and accommodating and capable of 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 um, of drawing from different even non-Hindu traditions, value, religious traditions, value, and so forth. Um, he was the very personification of what he himself um, referred to or glorified the idea of a saragrahi Vaishnav. Sara means essence. Saragrahi means essence seeking. Who looks beyond the formalities and finds the essence. Hmm? And in so doing, dismisses certain formalities while honoring them at the same time and knowing that they have their place in some instances. And um, that's very tricky because the first thing we'll do is, yes, I want to be an essence seeker. I want to throw out the form altogether. Hmm? No, he's not not throwing away with the form, away the form. Applying it when necessary, understanding its, its, its application, its use, its value, for time and circumstance and so forth, and where that may not be valuable or useful, and and minimizing it then in the name of in in, in pursuit of the substance. So he was very uh, expert in this, and um, and very deep. So very broad and very deep at the same time. This is a very um, uncommon combination. We can find someone who's very deep hmm, in their Krishna consciousness, but generally then. They're not very broad in their outreach, and they might be hard to find. Like Gorka Shodas Babaji was very deep, but not very broad in his outreach. And, um, and then we can find people that are very broad in their outreach, but then they're chanting Om Shivaya Namaha too, and uh, and the outreach gets too broad, um, and and um, and something is lost in that. We should do Krishna Kirtan. I mean, in other words, to use. Uh, make the point of that e- example. Hmm? Just because other people are chanting Om Shivaya or whatever, uh, uh, Kirtan means Satatam Kirtan for Krishna. Hmm? Kirtan is Anga of Bhakti, not an Anga of Yoga, not an Anga of Gyan. Huh? So, at any rate, to combine the combination of the two to have such depth and uh, and so broad. And of course, to really be broad and not at the cost of depth. One has to be very deep. So this this is our uh, we find this in in Thakur Bhakti Vinod, and I guess I say he was highly educated. He he spoke uh, Urdu and Hindi and uh, Orian, Bengali, English, and he wrote in those languages. And he wrote philosophy in those languages. And he wrote poetry in those languages. So he was pretty familiar with the. With the with the languages to you know to to write philosophically in them and poetically is is uh, 
it's quite a you know, fairly accomplished. Hmm? And uh, with regard to the West and and the workings of other Hindu emissaries of sorts, uh, and, and so forth, although he never stepped foot uh, outside of India, he uh, early on in the 18th, uh, what would be the 19th century, he wrote to Thoreau and Emerson, who are considered like the, f- the first American transcendentalists. So he he knew of their work, their writing, their 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 some their their uh, affinity for the for Gita and Eastern thought, and so forth. he sought to connect with them. What a what a wise uh, insight! I don't know of any other Hindu uh, from any denomination. Um, Sadhu, who was thinking about canvassing in the West and in America, um, who even thought to contact such persons, it was very key, a keen insight on the part of Thakur Bhakti Vinod. We just can imagine if he could have sat down with uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson or uh, uh, Henry David Thoreau and spoke about the Gita with them. What, what would have? Um, how extraordinary that would have would have been for um, for them and for the world, hmm? and uh, so that was a I think a very keen insight. He he knew uh, where to go, where where the energy might be best uh, uh, focused. So very empowered uh, preacher. He wrote over one hundred books, which we include his songs and poems. So that's. Incredible, and he did it in the midst of a very busy life, hmm? uh, because he he married, he fathered a number of, of children, ten or twelve children. He had a rigorous schedule as a householder, working as a magistrate. Hmm? From Bengal, he was transferred to Puri. Hmm? There, his son Bhakti Sadat Sarsti Thakur. And successor was born in in, in Jagannath Puri, um, so this is a very busy life, um, and uh, he was a very powerful magistrate. Uh, he was not like today's politicians or judges who were bought and paid for. He was he was uh, w- whatever he wrote, he lived. Hmm? There's a story of um, of how one. Um, wealthy person for political purposes wanted to defame Thakur Bhakti Vinod and uh, find some some something in his closet, some dirt on Bhakti Vinod and bring it into the public so that he would be tarnished. And so he hired somebody to um, to follow Bhakti Vinod and, and, and observe him at night, sneak up and watch him at night and so forth. What he did in his house, and they want to try to find something on him that, that would uh, some moral defect that then they would publicize. And the man watched him. That the story goes for a week or so, and he couldn't find anything. And he became a follower of Bhakti Vinodak. Hmm? So he very much walked, as they say, his his talk. And so his talk had lots of lots of power. The famous story in Puri of the impersonation of Vishnu. Hmm? Um, on the part of some some mystic um, speaks to that um, uh, power, the spiritual power that he employed in his um, 
in, in the workplace, uh, there was a, a fellow claiming to be Vishnu, and he had some mystic powers, and so foolish village people were, at his request, sending men, husbands, were sending their wives to him at night to do Rasalila, <laughs> or so it was thought. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur, of course, said, you know, this is, this is, this is not what Rasalila is, this is an imposter. So he went, he, he, people were afraid of this fellow, and uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur got a few people to accompany him, and they went, and as they approached him, he threw fire hmm, in front of Bhaktivinoda, and the other guy is trembling, you know, and, and, and Bhaktivinoda would not be deterred, hmm? Again, he threw fire and by mystic power, and fire came to cross the line, you know. But he pushed on somehow, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and they apprehended the man, arrested him, brought him to jail, and tried him. Hmm? And during the trial, the trial lasted for seven, ten days, and in the trial, one by one, the family members of Bhaktivinoda Thakur were struck with fever. His wife, his son, one after another, in the last day of the trial, Bhakti Vinod Thakur was struck with the fever. And everybody was saying, Bhakti Vinod has gone too far. This is Vishnu. Hmm? And, uh, and now he's gone too far. But he went to the trial and convicted him as an imposter. Hmm? As you can do in India. You could in the past. If someone was, an, was a false incarnation, you could incarcerate them. <laughs> so he convicted him and... Um, of that and whatever other crimes he may have been involved in. And, uh, of course, the man was taken into jail and his hair was cut off and he lost all his power. And at some time he, he committed suicide in there, uh, in the jail. So everybody saw the power of Bhakti Vinod, which they thought was a moral and religious power, hmm? more than they thought he had a deep, spiritual, esoteric um inner inner life because of his so much being preoccupied with outer worldly activities and so on and so forth as a householder. Um, but in time, of course, the Thakur did retire from that kind of life, lived as an ascetic in, 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 in Navadweep hmm? and um, continued writing from, from that time as well. And so um, he... Um, uh, uh, was eventually appreciated for the, his, his not only his religious fortitude, moral uprightness, but from his deep spiritual uh, experience. That deep spiritual experience went so far as to excavate in Navadweep the lost place of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance. And um, while he searched for empiric evidence as to the site, hmm, he also searched internally for the site, and it was from his place of bhajan in Godrum that, and I stood on that roof from where Bhaktivinoda Thakur looked, and he saw the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu like a glowing temple. And the next night it came again, and then he went, this must be the place. And then he combined that with the empiric evidence that he had been compiling and he, he came to the conclusion there was Tulsi growing in abundance there. Hmm? Some Muslims were living there and they had an old name for it, which 
I think corresponded, I think it was Mayapur or something like that. So, um, with great effort and resistance from his own, uh, his own um, members of the tradition, even his own initiating guru, hmm, did not accept the finding of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Hmm? There was another place that was being claimed, claimed to be the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and Bhaktivinoda did not agree with it, and he felt that people were using that to get money from pilgrims only and support themselves. And so it was very controversial what he did, and, and there was a lot of opposition from Gaudiya Vaishnavas, but he had this conviction. Um, and it wasn't to get some income, that, you know, and establish a place uh, that the pilgrims would come and, and give rupees and said he'd live off it. He had, he had no such concerns. Hmm? He had a deep and abiding spiritual insight that that wasn't the place, and then he, so he did some research, and then he had this internal confirmation, and then he prepared to go forward regardless of what support. Of course, his Sikshu Guru, his Sikshu Guru wrote, rejected him for that, for, for, stab, for claiming that was the place, Bipin Bihari Goswami. But, but Gorkashodas Babaji Maharaj was brought there, at, at that time he was over 100 years old, he was brought in a basket, excuse me, I meant Jagannath Das Babaji, excuse me, and when he arrived at the place, he, he jumped and Acknowledged, yes, this is the place of the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, and then, of course, the Thakur uh, went door to door hmm, in Calcutta to collect alms for establishing the site. Hmm? I mean, this is mind-boggling. We just talked a little bit of his, his greatness and and his accomplishments and so forth, and uh, and uh, his. Both in the in the workforce, in the field of the, the judicial field, in the religious field, and spiritually speaking, with his contribution of literature and so forth, and now the finding of the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu against opposition in his own tradition and so forth, and then to go personally door to door, begging um, to collect alms to build the temple in Mayapur. This is a very Extraordinary person. This is the person. This is our grandfather, great grandfather, great great grandfather. The overarching, hmm, kind of the uh, presiding deity of our 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 party bar. Hmm? Uh, this was the phrase used by Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitakar when his followers were asked by others, "Which party bar are you from? Are you from the Nityananda party bar, the Advaita party bar, the Gadadhar party bar?" Hmm? All these paribars would be connected to eternal associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who were present during his manifest leela. And so, Bhakti Siddhartha told him to reply, Bhakti Vinod Paribar. Hmm? It was a very powerful uh, statement, but it's an appropriate statement. Um, just like we find the Narottam Paribar. Narottam was, was initiated by Lokanath, but it's called the Narottam Paribar. Uh, Lokanath had one disciple, Narottam, and Narottam had thousands of disciples. His contribution was huge. Shamananda has a paribar. These weren't immediate associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but their contribution was huge, and they showed themselves to have, be living in an eternal connection with uh, with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, so it was thought uh, was the case as well with Bhaktivinoda Thakur appropriately so. So he told his disciples, tell them here with the Bhaktivinoda Paribar. Hmm? I go, huh, what? 
That's right. And later, of course, even the, se- the secular, I want to say secular, uh, it uh, was all a religious society, but more of a, um, from the working world, I believe it was a journalist in, in Calcutta, looking at the work of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he had penned an article in which he called Bhaktivinoda Thakur the seventh Goswami. And it was very insightful and uh, uh, his work very much parallels the six Goswamis, of course, who established the places of Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan and wrote a significant amount of literature that established the uh, orthodoxy of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And we find Bhaktivinoda Thakur established the place of Navadweep, the place of pastimes of Navadweep, of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, in the way in which I'm speaking about with uh, the the, uh, the yoga peat, the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and also in his Navaritam Mahatmya, so many other places of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes and their correspondence with Vrindavan. Uh, he shows the correspondence between Navadweep and Vrindavan hmm? uh, by his vision in the Parikrams today in Puri, or excuse me, in Navadweep, they're all based on Bhaktivinoda Thakur's vision. So there's a very strong parallel with what with the work of the of the Goswamis. Hmm? And they also did a lot of outreach. I mean, they had the patronage of kings and queens in Vrindavan. All the old temples, they were built by queens and kings uh, in, based on the Goswami's vision. This is this place, this is this place, build a god here, have a temple there, and so forth. So they were mendicants, but they had the, the patronage of, of the really ruling um, political uh, force of the time. So they were involved in outreach too. Hmm? They're sometimes described as living under a different tree every night, but actually they were they were pretty uh, they did Leela Smarna, but they did many other things too. <laughs> they kept very busy and set a good example for us in this regard. And so too has Thakur Bhakti Vinod. And particularly with regard to the fact that that as he himself wrote, Grihe Thako Vane Thako Sada Hari Vole Thako Even as a householder, one can be uh, become a very deep uh, devotee and make a major contribution to uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's um, outreach and the ongoing dispensation of his uh, his blessing to the world and his his teaching. So we owe a great tribute to Bhakti Binod. Hmm? And his books should be studied very carefully and they should be studied in relation to the Goswami's books, then they'll be best understood. He's a very faithful follower of the Goswami's. Um, basically, his Jaiva Dharma is a re-telling um, of the, through in the story format, the uh, Satsandarbha. The first part and the last part is all the Hujwalnil money. Hmm? Um, so, he had also a very novel approach to presenting the teachings. Um, writing a novel, <laughs> um, if you will, uh, to do so, which was, which was probably a newer thing at the time, a novel. Hmm? Um, so, we are honored to uh, to follow in his footsteps in a small way. He has really, he is the single person in Gaudiya Vaishnavism who has. Um, turned Gaudiya Vaishnavism in such a way that it has life in the world today. Had Bhaktivinoda Thakur not done what he did, hmm, uh, 
uh, Gaudi Vaishnavism would not be not have not have currency in the modern world. Hmm? So it doesn't matter what really you, you, you may question the idea of a bhakti note paribar, but the fact of the matter is everybody who's involved in Gaudi Vaishnavism in the world today, especially outside of India, in touch with modernity, is there uh, because of Bhakti Thakur. The courage that he had, the insight that he had to make that interface, the depth of his realization, as I said earlier, that it enabled him to do that without losing any depth, but rather going deeper hmm, as a consequence of his outreach. He would outreach, I mean, he'd go deeper and go deeper, and he would outreach further, kind of idea. So, it's very extraordinary what he did. We should be extremely um, honored to be small members of the Paribara Bhakti Vinod. The whole of Gaudiya Vaishnavism owes a tribute uh, to him. Prabhupada considered his movement to be the movement of Bhakti Vinod, as Bhakti Sanat Sarasthi Thakur did. He is the turning point in Gaudiya Vaishnavism from being insular, hmm? and it means insular, it became very insular, even within India, insular. So he gave it life in India, in Bengal, even it was becoming insular. Let's speak of other parts of India and to the whole, whole world. And there's much to do following in his footsteps and we feel as members of the Paribar charged with that kind of um, responsibility to continue to present with new light in terms of modern thinking the the wealth of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It's, it's so rich and deep that it really deserves an ear, it really deserves an audience of thinking people. Hmm? And so that's, uh, that, that's, that's our ongoing task. And should we take it up, then it will be very consuming. Hmm? It will be very consuming in, in terms of our own uh, necessity, really, to be living members of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's party bar, a necessity to, to harness our minds and our senses. This is a very pragmatic, very practical way to do that, to try to think, uh, when somebody says, what are those beads around your neck? You go like, oh God, where do I start? Uh, how will I... <laughs> What will I say? And this, 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 that challenge can be very uh, consuming, very absorbing. Hmm? Um, and so we, we owe it to ourselves to uh, to try to be to participate in that, to assist in that, to participate in that. This is has been the the thrust of the Paribar that has, as I said, given life to Gaudiya Vaishnavism and attracted a modern um, following. Hmm? So. We should carry on in that way, and that was the request of Bhakti Sarasthi Thakur to his disciples: to please keep the current of Bhakti Vinod Thakur alive in the world. We're fortunate in our um, contact with Pujapad Bhakti Rakshak Dev Goswami Maharaj, who is the natural successor of uh, His Divine Grace Sri Bhakti Bhadanta Swami Prabhupada. It's a, funny way to think about it, because he was senior to Prabhupada, Prabhupada called him his Sikshu Guru, but he himself said that Guru Parampara moves in a zigzag way, and this, this sense it moves down and then up and then down again, uh, head and back, and because, as I say, if it moves from Prabhupada to Sridhar Maharaj, 
Sridhar Maharaj was joined the mission before him and probably had respect for him, learned things from him, so much so that he referred to him as a Siksha Guru in his life. But he became the prominent person, really, in the Parampara without trying, and and the door to that was opened by Prabhupada, in the lives of Prabhupada's disciples, who at that time were the only Western people uh, really touched by and involved in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And he, so we're fortunate for that, Later, others have come and so forth, and, and that's not without the touch of Pujapatrita Marsh. Um, for example, the, 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 uh, the um, um, from Bhakti Kesha Marsh's lineage, we find influence in the Western world through Bhakti Narayan Marsh and his followers and so forth. And Kesha Marsh, of course, was took sannyas from from Sridhar Marsh, so we all. Uh, connected with that, and Sridhar Maharaj, I bring him up because amongst the disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta Sosti Thakur, he wrote, he was very expert in his Sanskrit composition, and of course very deep um, in his thinking, and he wrote a beautiful prayer uh, in uh, in the mood of separation from Thakur Bhakti Vinod. And in that poem, Sanskrit Composition, um, one of the verses, uh, or a couple of them, came to the uh, the whole poem came to the attention of Bhakti Siddhanta Sosti Thakur, and he said, "Shri Bhakti Vinod Thakur has appeared, reappeared, in the poem of Shri in the mood of separation from Bhakti Vinod. So the separation, and Bhakti, of course, Shri hadn't met Bhakti Vinod, hmm? as he had passed away before, but." But he met him in the person of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsi Thakur, of course, and felt his presence and his influence. And so he, he was feeling separation from Bhakti Vinod. What the what the, what is will become of the world, with the in the absence of Bhakti Vinod? Hmm? If only he was here. And in a, in the estimation of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsi Thakur, the the, the Thakur Bhakti Vinod appeared. Hmm? This is of course what happens in separation. In separation, union occurs. Hmm? The more we feel the absence, the more the presence. Separation makes the heart grow fonder, as they say in English. So he felt very confident then that someone amongst my disciples alive in the world who keep the current of Bhakti Thakur alive. He's understood who is Bhakti Vinod and what is his contribution. So we are under his good grace and so forth. He's in our um, our our party bar, one of our guiding guiding lights. So we're very blessed, we're very fortunate. We have to think about this. Hmm? And if we think about it, what will we do? We'll think, I'm so fortunate to be connected in this way. Um, I, I should sit down and do bhajan, but I don't have the qualification. So somehow I should be engaged in trying to assist and distribute this. Hmm? And that will give me more qualification. And they have shown the way in this, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself did, by going for Nagar Sankirtan, preaching widely to the intelligentsia of the times in India, and then gradually retiring to do bhajan. So, in this way, we, yeah, we think of our, our debt to Bhakti Thakur. Sri Bhakti Thakur ki jai, Radha Pandit ki jai, Sri Sri Rauji Gopal ki jai. Gaur Bhaktavinda ki gai. Gaur Premanandi. Hari Hari Gaur.